Welcome to Conversations Over Coffee, where we're brewing inspiring discussions on the Philippine startup ecosystem with those who are making things happen. I'm your host, Bitsantas from Kickstart Ventures. Join me in every episode as we sit down with key figures in the startup community as we explore their successes and challenges and how we can work together to shape the future. So the average age of the Philippine population is 25, and we've started to see the entry of Generation Z into the workforce, and particularly into our little world of the startup ecosystem. So let's talk about that. Hey, Laika. Hi, Vit. Thanks for having me here. It's actually really good to have opportunities like this to talk about what we're about to talk about, um, especially having been here in Kickstart for, what, five months now? So I'm just as excited as you are. Yeah, so we were lucky to essentially grab Laika straight out of college and kind of drag her into our world. <laughs> but Laika, tell us about you know your college journey, what what you took up, and why did you pursue that? But and then, but I guess more importantly, you know, how did you find your way into our part of the world in tech innovation and VC? Yeah, actually, it's quite, it was quite a journey for me. So, as for my background, I graduated from Ateneo de Manila. Uh, university having studied management engineering. So it's a business course. Um, it's about data-driven decision-making, um, focusing on areas like systems thinking and sustainability across the different functions of a business. So you can say that the, the kind of program that I had or the kind of training that I had was more generalist in approach. Uh, basically, we were just trained to be future industry leaders um, being aware about the different functions of business, like how to anticipate and read insights into the kinds of trends and circumstances that would drive effect and really affect like the, the growth and and how like a businesses how businesses are run um, in general. So as a management engineering student, um, I also had the privilege of studying uh, another. Um, subject area as a minor. So I also studied Korean studies as a primary interest. So outside of me wanting to learn more about the the generics of like how to run a business, how to really manage an organization, um, I also pursued um, by initiative um, this interest of mine in the Hallyu culture. So, I mean, knowing a lot of people from Ateneo ME, I mean, I I have lots of friends from 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 that course. Obviously, we have lots of colleagues as well who also took that course when they were in college. Um, people coming out of that course typically pursue, um, you know, general management, uh, finance. Although, you know, you could one could argue that VC is kind of somewhat, you know, related and overlapping with those with those paths. You know, how did you discover? the path that you're on, how did you discover us and how did you determine that this is something for you? Okay, now that is a good question because one of the things that I wanted to point out about my background is that uh, as much as it is um, a corporate-focused course or degree, um, the kind of alumni or the kind of graduates that we expect from this course, which in turn affected the way I view the potential of my career um, future, um, is that there are a lot of industries that a management engineering graduate would go into. So you can like you can think of the likes of Bamakino, who's who was a Philippine senator. We have leaders in FMCGs, entertainment, like Carlo Katigbak of ABS-CBN. 
We also have um, Minette Navarrete, our very own president um, here at Kickstart Ventures. So it's really like broad strokes of the kind of applications that I can get into. And I think it's because of that that I have opened my doors to the many possibilities of like my first job. And that's why I ended up here. And to your question of why I ended up in a VC in the first place and what specific interests uh, led me to even consider this in the first place. Um, so apart from that ME background, I think a lot of the extracurricular activities that I got into in college like, helped me decide uh, to go into this. So one example would be case competitions. The case competitions would allow you to, to be trained um, how to be a critical thinker, how to problem solve, like how to use design thinking in addressing case-to-case um, problems um, across industries like consumer retail, energy, education, insurance. Industries that I've specifically outlined as the things that I've encountered when I did those case competitions. And true enough, these were things that I encounter now like as an investment analyst, like having to deal with different deals. You have to have this business security and breadth of exposure to all of these industries since innovation, tech, um, and whatnot are things that you'd expect across the board. Like it's not something that's focused just tech in tech for tech's sake. Apart from case competitions, I also had this class called Decision Science 25, which is a class on creative thinking and innovation management. Basically, it's a design thinking course um, done in five weeks, wherein we are challenged to pick out a problem, understand the consumer who's experiencing the identified pain points, formulating ideas that may solve that problem, prototype, prototype, until you test the viable solution identified throughout that process. And in relation to my role now as an investment analyst, that is something that we witness or is manifested in the kinds of stories that we hear from founders having to iterate, having to prototype the kind of business models or the kind of solutions they had to explore to get to where they are now. And all in all, um, my interest in tech, innovation, and VCs generally also came as a result of the, the rapid changes that, we ex- that we're experiencing now. I know this is something that we will also flesh out um, even more. But in general, like we've seen technological um, innovations done much faster than any generation or than any time um, prior to this. And being in a space that not only rides on that, but also anticipates like the next big thing is something that, that I see as a promising and a meaningful area to be in uh, and to have, again, like, as my first job. And first. So when there are conversations about looking back at or, or looking at specific generational cohorts and, and comparing them, one thing that, that's sometimes discussed is what are the typical career paths that these people tend to pursue? What are the opportunities given to them at the time that they come out of, of schooling and, and start a professional career? So, you know, based on, on your experience and what you've seen with your peers, what, what have you seen to be the common career paths that some of your other, your, your peers have, have been inclined to pursue? Okay. So generally, so I, I'll put out a disclaimer, right? Like the kind of career paths that I'm seeing from my peers, from my batchmates, friends, like it, it's really just limited to, to my circle, at least in Ateneo or at least in the, the friends of friends that I'm able to meet. And, and so that's something that I want to put out there um, first and foremost. 
But generally, uh, what's interesting about my batch or uh, my peers um, in ME or in Ateneo is that there is this sh- like there is this shift um, away, but not entirely, from FMCGs from multinationals as a top of mind career choice. For context, like when I entered as a freshman, I remember vividly that like as a management engineering student, we're trained to become corporate slaves. And it's so sad to think of it that way. But um, and unfortunately, there is some truth to it. Like historically, there have been a lot of not just management engineering students, but generally business students with a business background or with a business um, degree um, goes into this line of business. But in general, like I'm happy to see that when I graduated, yes, there's still interest and there is um there is appreciation still for multinationals and FMCGs as that viable career path, um, especially with the with the stability that it comes with. Um, of course, it's a multinational for a reason. Uh, but more and more batchmates, more and more peers are getting interested in startups, even um, as a first job. Um, and that's interesting to me because in the middle of my freshman and senior year, there is this taboo, at least in the circles that I'm in, that, you know, when you go into a startup, it's unstable. Um, your future is uncertain because that is what a startup is. That is a startup in essence. Like there's so much uncertainty that comes with it because you're trying to prove like an MVP and you're trying to grow it and in the hopes of, you know, being the next big thing. And, but, but that's something that's not guaranteed. But nonetheless, the returns and the kind of fulfillment you get when you do reach that or when you when you do achieve that is something that's um incomparable to like to the status quo per se but if i go into the specifics of the kind of career paths that i see my peers now go into apart from fmcgs as like a default um i see friends go into e-commerce e-commerce um industries companies um we know the likes of Zada, Shopee as trailblazers in that aspect, at least in the Philippines. Um, we also see people go into tech, particularly fintech. I could go through like a long list, but basically what you see um, in the market out there when it comes to e-wallets, BNPL um, platforms, these are things that my batchmates go into and more so than any other batch that I've um, encountered or at least the kind of upperclassmen that we'd meet. That's an interesting point because I'm just realizing and obviously as you describe your experiences and experiences of your peers, I'm comparing it to my to, to my own and, and experiences of my peers. You know, a lot of these opportunities, right? Like considering going into e-commerce or like even just working for a tech company or a tech startup, that wasn't so much even an option for folks from you know my my cohort. No, that is true. I just had this con- this exact conversation with um, a colleague of mine who who just said, no, I didn't have that kind of opportunity back when I was in college and we're so fortunate to have these options. Yeah. I mean, even the few of us who kind of were open to it and, and wanted to pursue it, there just weren't that many opportunities to pursue. So I think that's something that you guys uh, are, are, are kind of lucky to have. Or probably because there weren't as many testimonials or there weren't um, as information is not as accessible um, then as it is now, like, especially with like social media being more and more available in different varieties, not just Facebook. We're, we're talking about a lot of social media platforms that people can actually express, share their stories. And that comes with the kind of career experiences they have. And 
for me, that is a, a big factor as to why I think more and more about startups as a viable career choice because I'd see testimonials about upperclassmen making the shift for X and Y, Z reasons. And these are reasons that we'd resonate with because there's a reason why like you go into that startup or you go in with the shift, um, not just because you're just changing jobs or just for the sake of having a job. Okay, so given that your generation has been given clear opportunities and more, more numerous opportunities to... Um, you know, enter the startup world than than prior generations. Do you think there's something about the experiences of Gen Z? Is there something about Generation Z that actually positions you well to play a role in the tech and startup ecosystem? Short answer, yes. Like most definitely. So if I were to like, you know, run you through like what you'd have to know about my batch at the very least, like the uh, I'm talking about um, students who come from the 1998 to 2001 range, so the the lower bracket of the the period of time that's considered for the Generation Z, and we we're the batch that really went through so much. And when I say so much, that's probably an understatement. So we're the batch that at, at least my batch, batch 2022, um, is the batch that that went through the K-12 program first like in the Philippines. So that was implemented um, as early as junior high school. Um, so we went into grade seven or for the old curriculum, first year high school, um, going into this differently structured curriculum that they'd, ex- that they'd explained to us like year after year. And then at the end of that junior high school experience, we also went to two more additional years of senior high school before going into college. Two years that are basically unprecedented, um, not yet experienced by anyone. And so we had no one to go to for like advice or for, for like a benchmark of like how, how to, to survive senior high school. Like you can ask anyone how to survive high school, junior high school. You can ask anyone how to and, survive and, college. And that, that alone is like a whole conversation. Right? It's I a mean, whole it's, conversation. It's very formative years. Very formative years. And like, I'll also say something about that. Thanks for saying like formative years because honestly, like it does spell a lot about like the kind of values and the kind of um, traits or qualities that our generation um, has as a result of that. So yeah, so there's that. There's senior high and then going into college. There's this new curriculum that was prompted as a result of K-12. So meaning um, CHED had to adjust to the kind of programs that were introduced in K-12. And so there were things that were either removed or added to the college curriculums. And going into college, we still had some areas wherein we couldn't ask our upperclassmen about. And so we had to do things on our own. And then came the pandemic in the middle of all that. The pandemic was a beast in itself. We had to stop for a few months and then suddenly go back into school, but via online learning. And that went for two years and not just two years of online learning, but two years of changing and shifting the modes of online learning that we had to go through to make it efficient for everyone. And so with with these kinds of changes, obviously there's this, the kind of adaptability and the kind of resilience that that is sort of molded out of of us is pretty much evident in the kind of qualities that I see in my batchmates. And one, we're we're very adaptable to the kind of to, to any change that we that we see. I mean, as a result of that, 
um, when I say adaptable to any change, that is whether it's hybrid, online, on-site. At this point, we know the drill. And that goes into the workforce of people who are going into hybrid uh, work setups. That works for us as well because we went through online learning that went, that is pretty much similar things. And apart from adaptability, from having adaptability, we also have this appetite for having new things, like having diversity in our day-to-day. So that is also reflected in the kind of work-life balances that we hope to experience in the workplace. Like Because back in college, we had to balance school with home, with extracurriculars, all at the same time within the corners of our room. We go into the workplace hoping that, hey, I hope to do well in my job. But at the same time, I hope to retain the kind of self-care, the kind of self-management that would in turn help me do well at my job. And so that's something that you'd see in different companies now that push for work-life um, programs or initiatives via their HR departments or offices. So it, it seems to me that what you're describing is, so there, there's the general, during your formative years is just building adaptability and resilience and to some extent, I suppose, grit because of all of these changes that you experienced. And those those qualities really just kind of apply to, to life in general, right? Or to any particular path or career that you you pursue. But how do you think these experiences have, can feed into being a, a productive member or even a participant or contrib- contributor to to the startup world? Okay. Whether you know whether you're in VC, whether you're a founder, or whether you you join a startup. Okay. So there are three particular qualities that I see in my generation. And before I go into those three, like I just wanted to give like a preamble of sorts that, you know, as a result of the things that I was talking about um, earlier about the different changes we had to go through before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and now as we go into the workforce, you know, as different stages of our life, like having to deal with all of that at the same time, it has led me to realize that, you know, we have been called to do and react to so many things. And during a time wherein we are at the cusp of our young adulthood. Meaning like we are at a time when values, um, passions, and identities were recently formed, but are now currently challenged by these changes. And having those kinds of experiences have led me to think that these are impressionable times. And we are an impressionable generation as a result of that. And to have to respond in ways that no one has ever had to before um, has led us to rethink, you know, whether we have to remain reactive to, the, to these things. You know, we kept having to deal with change after change. But then now that we're at this transition to new normalcy, wherein we hope that things get back to normal, wherein we hope the economy um, stabilizes like sooner, especially when, you know, the pandemic is more or less being managed um, after two years of doing so. There is this weird environment like at least for me and for us that okay now that everything's back to normal how do we make sure that we don't have to deal with something like this again and i see that in the way that we recognize social and environmental issues like climate change like so intimately that it has even got us thinking whether or not there is a future for us to work towards to in the first place so these changes 
that we've went through in the past few years and then moving forward, the things that we regard as a reality. And as a result of that, we have become the three qualities that I'm about to share now, which are we're pragmatic, we're progressive and proactive as a generation. And what do I mean by this? We're pragmatic because these changes have led us to have limited resources, have led us to think that not everything is possible. Of course, like in the pandemic, you're, you're not allowed to go outside. Um, online learning, you're only limited to your screen. And that has forced us to be practical in so many ways with how we manage our time, how we choose the kind of commitments we go into and what kind of experiences we want to expose ourselves to that would give us value. And so that's something that I would think like Generation Z would have in mind when they go into the workforce, especially in an industry like tech and VC. Um, second, we're very progressive. I think with the kinds of circumstances that we went through, and as I mentioned earlier, we're led to think uh, things like, does it have to be this way? Does the status quo have to remain? Like, how do we take more control and take more charge of our future, of the kind of value that we wish to get out of our experiences? And if that means changing the way that we, let's say, run a business or changing the way that we treat the, the workplace or the, the kind of work culture that a company has to have, you know, we'd push for it. The, thus, the work-life work balance as a non-negotiable for some. And, and lastly, we're very proactive, I think, in the way that we, we're now forced into all of these ordeals and then now we're expected to make decisions as adults, maybe not only like as, as an employee, but also as like, a tax-paying citizen of the Philippines, there's more chances for us to do things that we think must be done. And that's reflected in how more and more of my batchmates are going into careers that are either unheard of or, or are not the usual for, for their course. Case in point, like people from my course, like going into startups right away after college as their way of being proactive towards the kind of spaces they want to make impact in. So those three, I would say, are things that not only define my batch, my generation, but these are also three qualities that I ultimately believe a startup founder, an investor, or anyone in the VC startup space should have as we are in the business of anticipating the next big thing and not just for the sake of it being the next big thing but the next big thing for positive impact for the kind of changes that we hope to see like in our world today um, especially having witnessed crises like the pandemic and the results thereof i remember a conversation we had kind of as we were discussing like what we want to talk about here you said that generation z is accustomed to change that you are maybe more accurately in, in one way accustomed to challenge, to being challenged, right? So you are accustomed to having challenges in your way and having to deal with it. And so adapting to that challenge and, and addressing that challenge. And now that as many of you are entering the workforce and having just, you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, it, it seemed like we were going to come out of the it seemed like we were already on the other side of, of, of the current global economic challenges, but maybe not. But still, we're seeing signs of 
of promise or things that we can kind of latch on to and work with. And so you guys have almost a natural inclination to maybe not not just pursue, but just to see and recognize challenges that, hey, this is something that we can we can make an impact on. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. We're not just used to change, but we're comfortable like being challenged where it matters. I think that's how I would put it. I think for my generation, yes, we're used to all of these changes, but it doesn't come with a natural acceptance that, okay, this is the reality. I, I think when, when we say we're used to change, we're used to the reality that things won't necessarily go our way. We have to be on our toes, <laughs> ready for anything, ready to expect the unexpected. Right. Yeah. I think that was that was kind of what I was picturing where it's not about being comfortable with change, but it's being comfortable with the fact of having to live with big challenges in your way. So yeah, the way I kind of picture it is that exactly as you said, that you're you're not just comfortable with with being challenged. You're comfortable with challenges in general. Yeah. You're comfortable to acknowledge that there are challenges there. Mm-hmm. And also, you're also equipped with the knowledge that you can overcome these challenges, that you can address these challenges. Yeah. Right. So now that we're, you know, on coming out of the other side of the pandemic and going, settling into a new normal. Um, and as many of you folks in Generation Z are starting on this next stage where now you have, you know, a new agency as contributing citizens of the world. You know, you are now in a mind space where you find the challenge. It's not uncomfortable for you to think this is something I need to to, to solve because it's it's a challenge that exists. Yeah, no, um, that's something that I think my generation has most potential in. I'd also put a little disclaimer out there. Like, I'm not saying like everyone in Gen Z, it's everyone in my batch. Maybe some of my peers would like get back at me for like saying that we're comfortable with challenges. Um, but, but really like the point here is my generation has been through like rapid changes in tech, in global circumstances, and even down to the level of changes in our homes because of the pandemic that led us to have the the kind of adversity quotient that we have in being comfortable with change, being comfortable with challenges in such a way that it will never go away. It's a part of life. It's a part of career. And that's something that is tied to the kind of values, the kind of mindset that we should have as individuals to be able to address these challenges as a result. So... Perhaps like in, in relation to, you know, why I would honestly think my generation would see a viable career in where I am. I honestly think this is something that they should explore. Um, I, I honestly came across Kickstart Ventures as a career um, option by chance too. Like it wasn't even something that I you know, thought of straight out of college. Okay, I'm going to apply for Kickstart. I had other plans in mind. I, I, yes, I was a business major, but I had something in mind, um, more towards development. But because 
in the the qualities that I mentioned earlier because I'm pragmatic, progressive, and proactive. Like I'd like to think that there's no one size fits all career path, you know, even for development, even for business. And it all boils down to what kind of company is most aligned to your values, what kind of advocacies, what kind of end to which they're working towards. And that's something that I saw in Kickstart that's still aligned with my overall interest in development. Wherein, you know, in in, in the pandemic in the pandemic, I saw the value of different stakeholders coming together to get us to, to hold the front line. That's healthcare, that's government, that's the different NGOs, the academe, um, the private sector working hand in hand to address a crisis like that. And now that I came out, came out of college with that kind of insight and I was given this opportunity to consider a kickstart, I had no reason to say no just because it's a VC, just because it's a, a, a finance industry, which I personally am not familiar with. And learning more about it, I realized, you know, development also has a lot to do with the kind of investments we make in the companies and the kind of problems that they choose to solve with their business, with their, um, the, the kind of solutions that they come up with as a result of that startup. And I really attribute this decision of being here to that background that I have, like as a Gen Z. You know, having faced all of these, being pragmatic about, you know, choosing the right first option, like not having to go straight into development doesn't mean it's not in line with development. I still say with full conviction that what I'm doing now as an investment analyst will be so, so crucial in how I, I see development for the Philippines in line with the kind of businesses we um, we nurture, we invest in, and the kind of problems that they end up solving. And that for me is already more than meaningful um, as a first job. So just maybe focusing on your own point of view, not, not necessarily for, mm-hmm. for you to speak for your entire yeah. generation once again, but as someone now, you know, coming, looking at the world with somewhat fresher eyes than the rest of us, um, as you said, there are lots of things that we need to work on. From your point of view, as someone with relatively fresh eyes, like what do we need to work on? What are some of the big problems that you think we need to be solving from where we sit today, particularly within, you know, the startup and VC space where, you know, everyone's building towards the future. But for you, what what do you think are the things that we need to address? The first thing that came to my mind um, really is how we put a premium on nurturing Filipino, supporting local. What I mean by this is there has to be a way that we encourage more of our own Filipino folks to end up solving like our own problems here in the Philippines. Where I'm coming from is now that I'm here in VC, now that I'm um, an, an investment analyst, um, w- when we encounter different startups and different companies, like dealing with all of these um, different industries, most of the time, these are coming from neighboring ASEAN countries or, you know, in general, anywhere but 
the Philippines. And to me, that's kind of saddening, right? To, for, to have to either wait for someone to come into the Philippines to address like a market gap that they see. And in turn, it also is like a market potential for them to expand into. But it can't be helped as well to have to um, resort to perhaps like other startups that we see in the space. Because admittedly, in the Philippines, the ecosystem's pretty young. Like that's something that I had to encounter like in the in the various conversations I've had, not only in Kickstart, but also like in in the other VCs that I've come to encounter. That admittedly, like the Philippines, like as a startup ecosystem, is young. We're still like a for Kickstart, we're we're here like for a decade already, but that's like a decade compared to like the US, like for that matter. And one key issue, or, or rather, like one key opportunity that um, I hope we can work towards is to start planting the seeds of not only investing in startups, but really investing in in Filipino programs that will help spark interest among the youth about starting startups on their own. There are programs in Nateneo like the ITE or Information Technology Entrepreneurship that exactly does that. And this is a program that's less than a decade old, if I'm not mistaken. And it's programs like that that actually enlighten students that, hey, there is a viable career in what we're doing. And not only is it a viable career, it's also an impactful job to do, to actually focus on a problem that you think is meaningful enough, painful enough to address, but also work towards a solution that aims to address maybe not all of it, but start to start addressing it from our perspective, from the locals' perspective. And I wish to see more of that. Like in the next decade, I hope to see more Filipino startups, more Filipino founders um, being in the space and I think one way to do that really is to just start young, to invest in those kinds of programs so that people are encouraged not to move out or even like to just start things because there is a market here and there is an opportunity for them to, to address these things like on their own or like by themselves or like as in the spirit of nationalism, like Filipino para sa Filipino and I think Kickstart as one of those VCs um, really is like that one step forward uh, because after all, we are a Filipino um, VC and this is the reason why we've been here for a decade, like really trying to kickstart things. Um, but as you said, like based on my fresh eyes, we really still have a long way to go. And Having gone into VC straight out of college made me realize that this is something that my peers, my underclassmen should be exposed to or can be exposed to if we put in the work to bring the spirit of innovation, tech, and the value of startups as a way of innovation and nation building to their programs, to the schools. Okay, so as we wrap up, what would you like to share to those of us from Generation X and the millennial generation um, to understand and appreciate about Generation Z as more and more of you folks 
um, join us in the workforce and and begin you know trying to make an impact, whether you know joining us as colleagues or you know joining the workforce as founders of your own startups. We are very impressionable. I think I'd argue. Um, I don't know if my peers would agree with me, but yes, we've been through impressionable times, you know, that have led us to have the kind of qualities that people would perceive our generation to have. But that's because the kind of circumstances that have led us to this are very impressionable in themselves. Like these have impacted us or have, have led us to think about things that haven't been thought of before, like forcing us to change a behavior to form a habit and ultimately have values that help us live day by day. Um, Whether it was in school, while in the pandemic, or now in the workforce, like pursuing the right career for us. But to Gen X, to millennials that we work with in in the workplace, like it doesn't mean that we don't listen. It doesn't mean that we are hard headed young folks that that grew up with our iPads and and phones, uh, but we're really like we are people. We we are a generation that can be taught when there is an opportunity for us to learn, and that comes with you perhaps being patient with us, understanding why we think certain ways, and in in and vice versa. We're also the kind to question things like, why does it have to be this way? And for us to understand that, that's something that requires a two-way conversation with, well, the Gen Z, the Gen X, not to put people in their generations, but really for the sake of this conversation, to really put it out there that we are a generation that knows how to listen, knows how to anticipate changes, um, you will only understand why this is the case for us if there is an opportunity for us to speak up and to actually understand like why things are they are because of that. So yeah, we are impressionable and hope hopefully like that's something for you to take advantage of really like to to mentor us to to make us understand like also why millennials are the way are the way they are or Gen X are the way they are and in turn chances are just getting random numbers out of the air, like nine out of 10, the Gen Z that you're working with would be glad enough to explain to you why they are the way they are. And I think that also comes as a result of social media being available to us, you know, helping us to be more expressive than other generations, arguably. And so, you know, let's talk. Just like how we're having this podcast. Now, for those from your generation who are considering entering our world in the startup world or have even yet to decide what path to take in their professional lives, what would you like to share? Hey, folks. <laughs> if there's one thing that, you know, I, I think our generation should really take advantage of is that we are go-getters. We are, we are individuals who do not have to wait for the next big thing or who do not have to wait for <laughs> the next pandemic to actually be prompted to do something. And I'd like to believe that our past experiences have formed us to be the pragmatic, progressive, and proactive people that I believe we have the potential to be or to have. And that's something that I hope and 
call you guys to action when you think about your next step in in your career there is no one size fits all um career path uh, yes we have our respective majors especially for the business majors out there um there may be seemingly obvious options um at the doorstep right out of college but you know let let that not stop you from actually asking yourself like what you want to do and exploring opportunities out there that gets you to do exactly that and i think that's how i ended up being here in the first place i wanted to do development but it didn't mean at least for me that it had to be an obvious development work kind of job i still think i'm doing things for the good of our country's development by trying to understand the role of vcs and how they invest in startups that have meaningful impact in the spaces that they're in the kind of businesses that they run and the kind of problems that they ultimately try to solve by being sustainable and financially um running in the long in the long term so go get it nothing's stopping you i mean not even the pandemic has stopped us so why why stop there Awesome. So everyone looking to follow in Leica's footsteps, we look forward to meeting all of you and welcoming you with open arms. So as one final thought, you know, so in the world of startups, in the world of VCs, we operate in the world of our concepts of the future, right? Um, what is the future that we believe in? What is the future we are building towards? So maybe, and quite interestingly, probably for you as an investment analyst and, and seeing a lot of the deal flow that comes our way, like what is one idea of the future that you've seen recently that really caught your attention? That really, maybe not just caught your attention, but captured your imagination. That is a very interesting question, Bit, because the. The moment you asked me the question, the first thing that came to mind was probably like the next big thing doesn't have to be radical. Um, sometimes it's in the incremental innovations that we need to address current and existing problems that we face. So issues like financial inclusivity, um, education, these are things that I personally am um, personally resonate with. And I'm happy to say that I see, um, I see startups both local and abroad, like addressing these industries because of again the kind of incremental innovations that help make workflows more efficient and um, their target audiences more relieved of the pain points that um, are pressing and are painful and are still persisting now. And I think that's something that I hope to see more of like in the next few deals that i hope to encounter as an investment analyst like yes i know other countries are looking into industries like deep tech ai basically futuristic areas that we have initially read in books or watched in movies but are pretty much a reality now but the next big thing is still in what we're facing now like as a country and these are issues that are not only in like top level businesses but are really down to the streets down to the grassroots uh, and i hope to see more of that awesome i feel like i understand you a little bit more like <laughs> i i think i understand 
you and your peers as a whole a little more. Um, and I hope everyone who's listening also got a, a better appreciation of the newest members of our workforce. And I don't have to be the last either. I mean, I think there are opportunities in general in the space. And I think it just needs a little push from my uh, my peers, my, my fellow Gen Zers uh, to... You know, take that step forward to actually consider um, a path in VC and startups, um, wherever that may be. If you want to know more about it, like feel free to reach out uh, to me to to kickstart. Um, if you also want to see probably opportunities like doing an open house, you know, just to see how VCs work, that's something we can actually make happen. I believe Gen Z can make it happen. Um, if there's demand for it, um, let us know. And that's something we can work out together. All right. Thank you very much, Laika, for joining me today. Thank you so much. For this ben. little conversation over coffee. Um, and thank you, everyone, for, for joining us again. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Follow Kickstart Ventures on Facebook and LinkedIn to know who we're featuring next.